Hey, thanks for joining us again. This is John and Nick. This is apparently going to be the 12th episode in the series that we've decided to call the Pink Mike Sessions. Or I decided it, maybe. Um, I'll apologize right now. Um, This episode is very likely to be very jumbled. Um, not having very clear thoughts right now. Um, it only took three days to press uh, record this time. Um, been thinking about making another episode while driving down the road for a little while. So, so with that, um, episode number 10 was a precursor to us making our way to Michigan to go see our, oh shit, just call you family. I was going to say friends and family, but that's, we've talked about that before, our family. Some blood, some not, but we were making our way to Michigan to go see our family. And then the next episode talked about the road trip that continues and the fact that we feel homeless. Um, I don't remember every bit and piece of what we talked about because I do listen to it one time when we're done before I put it online, um, just to make sure you can hear. And we don't edit anything, but I haven't re-listened to them, so I, I honestly don't really know what we all talked about. The These are, are really just a kind of a stream of consciousness. Um, but anyways, here we are, we're driving down the road again. Um, the road trip is coming to an end today. Um, when we left Arizona on the 8th of July, we had intended to be gone 17 days. We're gonna rotate through Michigan to see our family, go up north, cut across the UP and make our way back. Um, everything was on schedule through day 15. Um, Day 15 was when we freaked out and decided to extend for originally just five days. Um, We extended for five and we made a U-turn back to the north and went to see Nick's brother and his family for a few days that we haven't seen in almost three years because of location, logistics, work. COVID and obviously Leah and you name it, we just hadn't seen it. So we went and saw our brother for a few days and then we extended for another five and made our way as far west and northwest in this country as you possibly can go while still being the contiguous United States. And, um, and then we extended 14 days and we went Nick and I went back to Northwest Montana. Um, No place on this planet honestly feels safe anymore, but Northwest Montana feels the, I'm not gonna say the most safe, it feels the least dangerous. Um, We went back there for a couple weeks and we were lucky enough to be able to have Nick's mom fly in for a long weekend and come spend a long weekend with us. And then um, number four's birthday was coming up and we were gonna go back home and talk with him. And he decided that he'd come and fly up and spend a long weekend with us and spend his birthday with us in Northwest Montana. So we did that and then um, we started to make our way south and we extended for Happy accident, we're actually trying to extend just one more day to make the drive less challenging. And um, when I was booking things, I accidentally booked it for three days instead of one. So here we are. Um, we made a swing back through Colorado, which is our second least dangerous place that we found in the continental US. Um, and we spent a couple days there in the mountains and on some trails and, and some hot springs and just tried to decompress from the 
part of the drive home. But as we speak right now, we're a little bit north of Phoenix. Um, this is the best Arizona's looked in a long time with all the rain that we got. It's really pretty green and almost not shitty looking. If, uh, if I didn't live here and didn't want to be here, it'd probably look all right. Um, but the fact that I do live here and I hate it, um, yeah, it's not, it's not real comforting to see it green, brown, or otherwise. Um, but yeah, so we're um, making our way south, and in about four hours, we're going to be back to home. And, well, back to the house that we live in. Yeah, back to the house that we call home. It's... Well, we're ready to see the kids. We haven't seen, we haven't seen one and her fiance um, in six weeks, and we haven't seen uh, two and three in five and a half weeks. Um, so we're ready to see them, and we're ready to see our our old man dog, and we're ready to see our old man cat, and that's uh. That's about it. Um, go right back to busy at work. Got a, a job this afternoon, an hour and a half after we get back. We got an appointment at 6. I got another appointment at 6.30 at 7. It's, and then tomorrow I have three appointments, I think. Wednesday got one. It's just going to be right back to it. Um, the guys have done a wonderful job keeping things afloat while I've been gone. Um, we're not in the black when I'm gone, but we're not in the red either. The guys have done a wonderful job of keeping us level. So, but now I need to get back and do some actual work so that I can run away again. Um, I, don't, I don't even know, like I said, Nick, we don't have an agenda for this. Um, it's, we've been, we've been gone We've been in the we've been in the camper 52 nights, and a lot of the stuff that we're have been talking about amongst ourselves for the past two days, and, and it's ramping up. We're talking about it more and more and more. Are things that we have not talked about since we initially freaked out on July 25th. We haven't even spoke about these subjects in a month, um, and it's not because the subject's forgotten. It's never forgotten. It just isn't the it's now that we're going back to where we don't want to be. There's this the pressing issue of what the fuck are we doing now? Are we are we moving? Are we trying to keep the business going and and start a new one? Are we trying to close it down and do something else? Are we are we just gonna stay here and, and hope it gets better? It, we don't fucking know. And, and a lot of it, I mean, obviously a lot of it depends on us and business and we have to make the end decision, but a lot of it depends on the kids. If it depends on what one, two, three, and four are doing and what their thoughts are. And, and they have friends and family and jobs and houses and responsibilities and things of their own back there in Arizona that don't facilitate them just picking up and leaving as being a not immediately anyways, as being a viable option. For two of them, they could just back up and go, but the other two, it's more complicated. But, and it, and it brings into the, the question of the future. We had a discussion with our friends in Portugal this morning about the future. And the future is, the future's abstract at best. It's, you know, you used to, you look at the calendar and be like, okay, well, I'm going to be, in November, I'm leaving for two weeks, and I'm going to be gone to X destination. And I know when I'm getting ready to go that I've got to get these things done and these bills paid, and i got to make sure I have a rental car and a place to stay, and i got to pack these clothes and stuff like that. Now, like, we know that we're going to be going to Georgia in October to go see our friends from Rachel's Gift from the charity organization and to participate in the... 5k run walk fundraiser for Rachel's gift 
but it's just a date on the calendar. Like there's not any, it's just an abstract point in time. Um, the time, time's not linear for us anymore. Um, yeah, it's what we talked about with our friends in Portugal is it's a weird reality that we all live in that you keep a solid footing in the past and you spend a lot of time thinking about what your present should have been. But you don't live here. You don't exist in the same present as other people. And the thought of a future, I mean, you might as well say to me, you know, that imagine what it would be like if we could fly. It's, it's the same level of absurdity. None of us that we've talked to anyway can picture ourselves in any kind of a future situation. We can't imagine having more kids, even though some of us hope for that, you can't imagine that being true. Everything, there's a, a certain level of cynicism that comes with all of this. Everything feels like a pipe dream. That, sure, yeah, try that, go for that, yep. But you end up in the place, and a lot of us are there right now, thinking, fucking difference does it make? Waste your money, waste your time, who cares? Because all of it leads back here anyway. So what do you do with that? When you can't imagine, and I'm not saying a future of, of happiness or future joy or anything. I'm just saying literally a future. I, I, I couldn't have imagined today, August 30th, 2021, looking like this. How in the hell can I have any idea what August 31st of 2022 might be. Because I have no idea at this point what August 31st, 2021 might be. You just, I don't know. It, it's something that if you have lived through this or you're living through it now, maybe you can understand that. If you've never experienced this, maybe this all sounds crazy. Maybe it is, I don't fucking care. Um, because there is a want for hope, that hoping for hope that we've talked about, but it's kind of like hoping to win the lottery. It's just an abstract, oh my God, wouldn't it be nice kind of a feeling. It's not, we don't make plans, we don't set schedules and, and try to time anything anymore because nothing seemed I heard this yesterday actually Ed Better said it I was just thinking that we should mention this exact quote <laughs> yeah Ed Better said it he said he can remember a time when he was living in Chicago and he went to one of the beach parks there on the north side of the city somewhere that we've been a million times and sitting on the rocks and looking out at Lake Michigan and thinking there is a world of possibilities, endless possibilities, but what are the options? And that's where we're sitting right now. And it's not just us. There's a lot of us bereaved parents out there that are feeling the same way that everyone keeps telling you you know, there's more out there. But you wonder, what are what are the options for me personally? What, what are the choices that are good for me? Where do those roads lead? Because it feels like they're all a fucking loop. 
that you can try for something or hope for something, but really ultimately it's just going to end here. It's just going to be heartbreak and sadness and depression and loneliness and ugliness. It, I don't know how to express that to make someone understand that doesn't know this feeling. A lot of us will say, we're existing, we're not living. And that's true. And John and I have been extremely fortunate to be out on this trip for the better part of two months. We do not call it a vacation. It has been a break from reality. And I'm not gonna lie, there, there were laughs and there were good times, and, but there was tears and there were fights and there was awful days and darkness in that. That's, that's our reality. And I realized that no matter what anyone has ever gone through in their life, there's light and there's dark. Yeah, I get that. I had a life before Leah too. We experience the light and the dark. This is, this is entirely different. This is living inside the dark. Sometimes little points of light make their way through, but you don't stand in that light anymore. You don't even really seek it out because you feel like that's not for you. There's a healthy dose of fear in everything we do. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about the timing abstract. Nick and I want another baby. We we don't want to replace Thea. We no. but we want another baby. And we and we had talked about this before that we had promised Thea that there would be another sibling that she would grow up with. And we still want that. But it's, it's by what means. And the simple answer is, if, if a doctor could guarantee us that we could get pregnant and have a healthy baby and everything would be normal, then we would have been pregnant already. But that's, I mean, there's still a lot of mental stuff to unpack and with, with that. But if we knew that there was a healthy baby at the end and a healthy Nick and John at the end, then we would have a, a baby. And and with the adoption process, once once we pay the money, which I'm not getting into, but once we pay the money and move forward in the process, that's where we're well, at. And, and we're, in disclosure, we are approved yeah. to adopt. There's just last... We just have to tell, things. we have to say go, basically. Well, there's... Like we have to make a profile video and write a letter to a birth mom and these things that, it's stupid. Like why have we put it off? Why, and it's just, it all, because it feels like what's gonna come of it anyway? Who cares? Nothing good will ever come of this. It's a pipe dream just like everything else. And it's the, the abstract fear of time when as soon as we say go and move forward on this, I mean, it could, it could Then be. we've invested hope that we don't possess. We have invested emotion, which we don't have a whole lot of room left for. Our, it, everything is based on fear now. And they, and they could, your confidence they, is absolutely destroyed because you're, when you have been maimed and that's what we are. The way that we have been, the way that we will continue to be for the rest of our lives, you shy away from situations that can incur more pain. And that's not even like big pain. It's not just the fear of getting pregnant and losing another baby. It's the fear of taking a different job, trying to move forward in school, Literally, every decision that comes up feels overwhelming because there is a fear that there's a potential for failure and pain. So you avoid that at all costs. Yeah, we, 
it's, you know, if we say go and we try to move forward, you know, it could be, they could call the next day and say, hey, we have a match. Realistically, it's probably 18 months. And if, yeah, if you find a match at all, because more people come in every day, but, but where I'm going with that is it's just so, it's just so abstract. So I'm supposed to, we, we say go, and then we just sit there in this void that we're in all the time anyways. And, and you just sit there and wonder, and there's no frame of reality, no frame of time. And it, it's just, it's fucking it's overwhelming. Like dangling out there that hope, hope for hope again, nothing, nothing can destroy a person like hope and the loss of hope. If we move forward, no matter what direction, we're putting our hope for hope into that path, not having any idea where it leads. So you hold on with everything you have because it's the only thing you have to hold on to. So if that's ripped away too, then what? That's really where it comes down is in everything, in every decision that comes to us in every situation, there's always the, but what happens if it doesn't work? What happens when that fails? What happens when this turns out to be a huge fuck up? Then what? Because you don't have a reserve. There is no, well, then, you know, we'll, we'll just get a different job. Or, well, we can always move back to, you know, mom's basement, whatever. There is no fucking safety net. None. There is nothing left. And when you already have no hope, when you already can't envision any kind of a future, that part, the then what, is debilitating. It is paralyzing in the literal sense. When you cannot make a decision, that's why we're still sitting here. We've known since June 18th that our adoption home study was approved and the courts in Arizona said, yep, go ahead and adopt. Sounds like a great idea. And since then, we haven't been able to get the last things done because that's hanging there. You could write the most amazing birth mom letter. You could make the perfect video. But what happens if no one chooses you? What happens if someone chooses you and then changes their mind? What happens if we go to the doctor and they say, you know, you have fibroids again and you would need surgery and there's no idea how that might impact another pregnancy? Because when it comes down to what happened with Leah, the answer that we've gotten was it was a lightning strike event. Nobody knows what happened. In that, then nobody knows what could keep it from happening again. So then what? That's always what it comes back to is we go left, we go right in literally everything. I mean, we're talking about moving away from here, moving the business, do we keep the business here? There are so many big things, but then there's little things like stupid, like lunch. And we've talked about this before. It's like fight about food every fucking day. Oh my day. God. Every, every fucking day. Because you get to a point in your day that you literally cannot make another decision, no matter how inconsequential it might seem. The only thing I'm excited about going back to work about is that I'm going to wear the same boots and the same pants and the same shirt and the same hat every day, five or six days a week. And I don't have to think about what the fuck I'm going to put on today. It's, it's that goddamn debilitating, the, the, the fear of decision. It's Well, and it's not even the fear of decision. It's the fear of making the wrong decision. So we sit idle. I saw a TikTok from somebody. I mean, it was just a 20-something-year-old girl talking about her and her friend were trying to decide if they were going to move into a different rental house and... She said they had been going over it and over it and over it in their head. And 
they both came to the same conclusion is that it doesn't matter. That for whatever reason, right now, to a lot of people, for a lot of reasons, it feels like it doesn't fucking matter what decision you make or if you make a decision at all. And in a nihilistic kind of a way, that's at least comforting. Maybe, maybe this is the end times that the old people talk about. I don't know. I'm just here for the ride like everybody else. Mine just happens to have way more twists and bumps. Yeah, it's we get, um, you know, Nick was saying about, like, the fear of making a decision or making a wrong decision, and it's, so that's kind of where we get. Like, we, like we haven't, like, life didn't quit. I mean, we, we're, we know how extremely fortunate are we have to, have the kids in our lives for the most part every day of the week like we normally see one of them or several of them almost every day and and to have that at the ages that they are like we know we're fortunate and and we're extremely fortunate to have a business to have a to be our own boss period let alone to be our own boss of a business that's relatively successful by all accounts and to have a business that can have employees that can manage to hold it together when I can't. I mean, I haven't been focused on work in 10 months. It's been a disaster. I mean, I don't know if I've been focused on work in a year because I, this time last year we were getting ready for Leah to be born and we were doing all of the last minute stuff and it's concentrated on the calendar. I'm going, okay, well, it's coming by this day, so I have to do this, 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 and this, but I haven't been locked in at work in a year. I mean, I get, I lock in for a couple hours or a couple days or whatever, but then it's just gone again. Estimates stack up and paperwork and, anyways, I kind of derailed there. I didn't mean to. It's, um, you know, I talk about mental health here for a minute, I guess. Um, I'll be honest, I would have been the first person to have been, have a healthy dose of skepticism towards mental health. Where, like, people that are like, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, well, fuck, get over it. Toughen up. Get, life's hard. Life's a bitch. Deal with it. I would have been the first person to have said that a year ago. Um, I mean, do I think that somebody that's bipolar or manic or schizophrenic, do I think those things absolutely exist? Yes, I do. But because I have no actual experience with it, I think, well, just go to the doctor and get medicated and deal with it. Like, it's like a cold. You just treat it and move on. And that's not what it is. It's so much more complicated than that. And the the farther down the line I get, the more I realize exactly how complicated it is. I mean, it's, it's just weird what can set you off I, I we've talked about this before that Nick and I are not weak people we're not we're not weak minded people we, we're strong we've been through a lot and even if we've been through nothing I still feel that we would be strong people strong minded people um, can occasionally be deep like deeper than me I'm adult but um but where I'm going to that is it's just funny how much, or not funny, it's not funny, it's exactly not funny, how little it can take to set something off. So Saturday night, no, that's wrong, Friday night, Friday night, we were making our way from Idaho down into Colorado, and it was going to be a long day. And we looked at the map and like, okay, well, we're going to be around this town, give or take noon, we'll find something to eat. Like, it doesn't matter what, because neither one of us care. It's just sustenance. We just, we can find a soup and sandwich or soup and salad somewhere in this little town. We'll be fine. So we did that. So it was fine. The day was moving along, but it was, again, it was a long drive. We were getting near the end of the day. And um, we actually were listening to the radio. Nick and I were listening to, um, it's back to Pearl Jam again. Pearl Jam was, um, they're very heavy on our conscience right now, and I'll get to that in a minute. But we haven't we haven't listened to a lot of Pearl Jam in the last ten months, but we've listened a lot in the past week or ten days. Um, but anyways, so they were having a discussion with 
the director, Cameron Crow, two of the members of the band, um, talking about the album 10. And they were talking through the 30th anniversary of the album 10. So they were talking through each individual track and recording process and kind of where they were musically and mentally. and, And then they were playing each song. So anyways, we... And to back up, for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, we are massive Pearl Jam fans, have been for 30-whatever years it's been now, and Pearl Jam, for me, has been the soundtrack of my life. After Leah, there are a lot of songs that I can't listen to. Um, Black being a specific one. That there's a line in it that um, the song is about a breakup, um, which isn't the same at all. But there's a line in there that says, I know you'll be a star in someone else's sky, but why not mine? And that part has always been the most moving lyric. And now, I can't hardly even listen to it because Leah is our star. And I, that song is just too close now. But anyway. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, I said Nick is far more eloquent than I am and can explain it. Um, but we'll get to that. Well, I'm going to loop back to talking about 10 and talking about the No Coat album. But anyway, so so we were listening to the radio, and we were very involved in the radio, and we had talked about that we were going to get to this other town about 45 minutes from where the campground was, and we were going to eat dinner there. Well, we ended up blowing through the town because we were on the last two songs of the album, and we're just listening and, and just moving along. So we miss it, and then... The, the thing ends and we decide that there's the, the next little town ahead of us has a, a Wendy's and a Taco Bell. Like, whatever, we'll just hit some fast food. And again, so we're fine, so we're gonna hit fast food. You get there and we're hauling the trailer, so I have to go inside. Both restaurants are locked and not having any dine-in people because of, they don't have the employees to be able to keep the whole store open. So they keep the drive-through open. Well, so now we're fucked and can't go through the drive there. So it begins. Well, what do you want to do? We got something in the trailer. We can eat that, warm it up, or we can hit that little grocery store and get some bullshit or, or whatever. Oh, wait, the campground has dinner till 9. That'll work. We'll just go to the campground. So we hurry up, get to the campground. It's already dark. We were in a spot that was a little bit tricky. Ended up not getting landed till like 8.45. Like, well, whatever, they're open till nine. So I run down there quick, go to order dinner, and and all they're serving is late night menu. They just got like nachos and fries. Fuck. So we end up just get some shit we don't even want, eat it, get back to the trailer, and we had a movie downloaded that we were gonna watch, and we wanted to light the candles and just sit around, and instead, I was the one that was in, I was fucked. I was just mentally fucked at that point. I was angry. I I was angry at Wendy's being closed. I was angry that they're closed because of COVID. I'm angry that I feel the doctors did half their job when we were pregnant with Leah because of COVID. I'm just fucking angry and I'm angry up a tree as far as I can go. But where I'm going with the mental health of this is I couldn't turn it off. I just, it just got worse. And the, the, the farther I got away from the incident and was angry and upset, the, the longer I stayed angry and upset. Sorry, Sorry about that pause there. I didn't, uh, I didn't edit, but it is noon on a Monday and my phone wandering. So, anyways, I was talking about just being angry. The farther I got away from the actual incident, the anger I got, and I was getting more and more angry because it was fucking up the night. 
and then fucking up the morning and fucking up what you're supposed to do the next day. And the, and the, and the more I got fucked up because I was angry, the angrier I got, the more fucked up it got. And it just, it wasn't a cycle. It was exponentially forward into rage. And Nick and I took a drive and I was caught behind people going too slow or then I had somebody up my ass and it just got worse and worse and worse. We were cutting through the mountains. It's just beautiful scenery and it it just didn't matter. It just got worse and worse and worse. And then, and I was being an asshole to Nick and had her all upset and, and it was me and it was over a fucking dining room being closed 20 hours ago. But it ends up, we're coming out of the mountains heading back towards the camper and I see a waterfall on the left side of the road that I hadn't seen before and I pull over and uh, just go and get out and walk back up the road a little bit and I sat down on the edge of the road in the gravel staring at the waterfall and there's a whole bunch of bees in front of me and the flowers and then a butterfly come and landed on my knee. And that was it, a reset. Um, a reset, just instantly. Like, it just, everything released, the anger released, and and the tension and the rage and the frustration and, and the fear, and it just released. And it's, I don't know, I, I'm just at a loss, you know. You know, we see, we see bees a lot. We've seen more bees in the last year, in 10 months than we'd seen for years. And it's, we always say when we see bees, it's, it's Leah and her friends and they're, and they're, they're just playing, just living their best life. And they're sitting on pretty flowers and drinking things they really like and flying around and beautiful yeah, I don't landscape. I the bee is Leah. No. Leah sends the bees. Yeah, I, that's what I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Leah is the bee. It's, it's. It's just, it's just the bees living their best life and being bees. But I specifically relate Leah to butterflies and, and then to hummingbirds when I see one. But then to just have that little orange butterfly come and land on my knee. And, and it was just there for a second, but it doesn't let me know they're okay. I, I don't fuck, I don't know. Maybe it does let me know they're okay. I, I don't know. I... I don't know anything. But yeah, I, fuck, I don't know, I derailed, I guess. But I, I get, yeah, just, I was trying to get towards talking about mental health or our mental health, and it's, everybody's got to do what works for them, and... Yeah, we just talked to... <laughs> I'm just driving, I'm driving through Phoenix right now, and I'm a little anxious right now, it's not going real well, so. Well, we talked to a friend of ours today that she's also a bereaved mom. And John made a comment and she agreed, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. That in a healthy mind, you can see a person for more than what they're giving you. You can see through a comment they might have made to see what the message was that they were trying to convey. In a broken mind, like we are, and I'm not saying broken as in crazy or fucked up or we need to be fixed, no. I'm saying broken as in irreparable. The damage that was inflicted is beyond repair. And in a broken mind, Sometimes the healthiest thing we can do is just be like, fuck them. Yeah, Who em. fucking cares? Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck everybody. And if that's you and that's where you're living and you feel like, God, I shouldn't be like that. Go ahead. Fuck those people. Fuck every single one of them. They don't know you. They don't know anything about what you're living through. Fuck them. You don't owe anybody you know, delightful conversation and sparkling personality. You don't owe anybody any fucking thing. So 
another conversation that we had with other friends of ours yesterday, people make comments that they think in their mind were, are helpful. And they might be based on their experience. But based on our experience, just shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no fucking right to shove your ass or your opinion into my life. Fuck you. And if that's where you are, I'm not telling you to go out and, you know, shoot up a place or fucking be rude to people just because you're in a shit mood. Who cares? That's you. And I'm not saying to hurt other people because you're hurting. Because we've all heard that, that hurt people hurt people. Which is true, but if you can, if you have to interact with people and you can keep it on a professional topside level and don't get any deeper, good. If you have to just avoid people altogether, which is me, do that. Do whatever the hell you need to do. But at the end of the day, if somebody says something stupid or is being stupid or is being aggressively positive, which is a thing, fuck them. Just keep it moving. Fuck them. Do what you need to do and get yourself out of the situation. It's just, there's there's so many things that people don't understand that are a trigger. And you don't know what they're going to be. I can't write out a list, well, not a complete list anyway, of triggers. I can't tell you what my response is to any of them at any given time. And I can't tell you how long that response will last. So just like John, triggered by a fucking Wendy's dining room being closed, but it spirals down into this, what other people would call a rabbit hole. We just call it our reality that it spirals into this thing of just, you, you can relate everything back again and it all comes down to pain and fear and what do you do with it I don't fucking know so if you have a, if you have any kind of suggestions and you know what you're talking about then by all means send them my way but I'm tired of hearing self-care I'm tired of hearing meditate I'm tired of hearing pray I'm tired of hearing I'm just tired of hearing everything is really what it is not one person can tell me how to move through this so I'm not here to tell you how to move through it I'm just here to tell you that whatever you're doing keep doing it because if you're still breathing and you're still fucking upright you're doing something right we we try our best to not amongst ourselves, amongst the group of us that are all in the same boat, we we try to be very careful about not giving too much opinion or... And try not to give advice or, at advice all. Advice or direction. What yeah. the fuck do we know? Yeah, we try to be very careful to not do that. Um, but I do try to be encouraging in a very discouraging kind of a way. That, yeah, fuck people, fuck them. And you know what, you it pissed you off and they went too far and you had a snarky comeback, good for you. Go ahead, baby. It's easier nowadays to just have zero expectation of people. Just assume the worst. And then if somebody's actually nice and does something polite, then you get a fucking win for the day. Um, and if they fuck off and show their true colors, then you're not you're not any more hurt by it because you didn't expect anything out of them anyways. But that's a pretty ugly way to live. Or to exist. Yeah. But in that, it reminds me of something. If you have not been well, even if you have been through this, but especially if you haven't, you have no idea what the person in the grocery store line might be going through. Or what their day might be looking like, or what is coming for them. You don't, we don't know. We, none of us saw this coming. So they can't either. And just like none of them can see the 
pain and anxiety and fear that is tattooed all over our fucking bodies, we can't see theirs either. But I can tell you, it was several months ago now, but the first time that John and I got the motorcycle out in a long, long time. And we were just going to ride with nowhere in particular to go, just not in the house. And we stopped at a gas station. Um, we needed to get water and no, get... I needed to get ice. Yeah, I needed ice. And I think we got gas in the bike or whatever. But John went in, because John always goes in, because he has been the one taking that for the team. I don't people well. I never did before, but now I just don't at all. And I was sitting on the back of the bike in the parking lot waiting for him. And he comes out, and this girl, girl, I mean, she was mid-20s, kid to me, but a grown-ass adult woman, is walking across the parking lot, and she's going into the gas station, and just for no other reason than she wanted to say something nice. She said, hey, you look really good on that bike. And I kind of laughed it off, like, because I'm not good at taking compliments, but I smiled at her, but then I couldn't stop thinking about it. Not because somebody told me I look good, because who fucking cares? But somebody took time and effort and said something nice. She had no idea that that day fucking sucked like no fucking other that that morning started in the closet on my hands and knees crying until I wanted to throw up she didn't know that but she said something nice and it was nice to know that people don't always have to inflict more wounds that they're capable of not that that fixed anything, it didn't. But they are capable of being human. So, my niece is actually really good at this. <laughs> She's little. But she'll just walk by, we were in a restaurant and there was a waitress that was standing at the hostess stand. And we're just walking through and she just says, your hair's really pretty. And I thought, this is a kid who's doing it better than 99.9% .9 of all of us out here. I'm not saying that looks matter and that's what we need to be focused on because it isn't, because who fucking cares? Because if I looked like what I felt, you would never have told me I looked good anywhere. Oh, but you can say something but like, I love your shoes. But you can just say something nice. You know, it, it doesn't take much. It's just, and you don't know what that might mean to somebody in that moment. Yeah, sorry, we're both a little anxious right now. Um. Right now we're on the road in construction and Oh, right. so much traffic and this is I mean we're not even out of the car but this is more people than we've been around in two months <laughs> yeah it's not both trying to hold our shit together right now <sighs> yeah I you know Pearl Jam I want to go back to Pearl Jam for a minute so any of you that know Nick knows that obviously Pearl Jam was her favorite band and 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 whatnot well, but still is still is but, she, but Nick is very lyrically driven so no matter how beautiful the music is or the rhythm is or anything else if the lyrics don't get it done then she doesn't want to listen to it um, and there's several Pearl Jam songs that just don't hit for her um, not a lot but several but I'm, in a catalog of hundreds of songs. Yeah, but I, but I'm, my brain works differently. Um, 
I read a study about this maybe a month ago, but I don't remember who it was by. But it talked about that some people, when they listen to music, the voice is just another instrument. And I've tried to explain to Nick for a long time that I don't have the same emotional connection to the words of a Pearl Jam song that she does, but I have an emotional feeling connection to the sound of the song. And and there's so there's songs that I have a hard time listening to that don't have any lyrical meaning to anything that we're going through. Um, it's just the, the mood of it. Um, Nick has a hard time listening to Black now and Daughter and Breathe. Just Breathe. Just Breathe. Um, I have a really hard time listening to the song, just the song Present Tense. I have a hard time listening to Indifference. Now, indifference for me is, that's my whole fucking mood. That's my whole vibe right there. It, it, the, the sound of it, to me, is just, it, it, when that song is played properly and sung properly, it's, I use the term haunting. And, and right now, I have a hard time listening to it because it puts me in a very, very, very melancholy place where it used to be something that I enjoyed the hauntingness of it. The, I enjoyed the, the feel and now the feel scares me. But they, in that interview we were listening to, they used another phrase that they said that when they were writing the album that they try to be unconscious but yet present. I think that's right, right? Conscious, conscious. And, unconscious and present. No? He said conscious and present. He said conscious and present? I thought he said unconscious and present. Okay, fuck. Anyways. But that's kind of where we try to be with this without trying to be there. Like, we we want this. I don't know if I want anything when I say that. I don't want... What I don't want is this podcast to be about John and Nick and a boo-boo of our life. I don't want that. What I do want it to be is to be a forum to talk about Leah and what she meant to us. And I want it to be a forum to talk about one, two, three, and four. I want it to be a forum for people that don't know us, but maybe know somebody going through this. Maybe how to approach them or how not to approach them. And I want it to be a forum for people that are like us to know that it's absolutely okay to be like this. It's okay to be fucked. It's, um, but I don't want it to be, I don't, we, we've said before, we don't want your pity. God, we don't want pity. I don't want the, oh, I'm so sorry for you guys. And I, I there's certain ones of you out there that say that, and I know you actually mean it, that you can continue to say that you're sorry and, and you love us and, and be careful. That, that doesn't bother me coming from you and you know who you are. But everybody else on the fucking planet needs to not tell me ever again that they're sorry for me. Because I'm not sorry for me. It's like, sorry you lost your job. Sorry you stubbed your toe. It's not sorry your baby died. That doesn't fucking hit home. So stop being sorry for me. And I don't want you to solve anything for me. I don't want you to There's pity it. There's nothing to solve. I just want you to fucking listen. Just listen. Continue to listen. And some of you to do better. To be better at listening. To understand that sometimes the things that you say, that you might be saying with love, don't come across that way. And I'm not going to point fingers and it doesn't matter because the people that... I'm talking about probably aren't listening anyway, but that, there are, this is not a universal experience, obviously, but it is a wider experience than we ever realized. But there are certain things that we've found across the board are universal experiences within this realm. Nobody wants to hear 
it, you know, it, it was God's plan. Nobody wants to hear there was a reason why, you know, your baby died or you miscarried. You know, that's not fucking helpful. There's, universally, there are stupid things that people say, and it's not even just American people. It's Western culture. We are grief illiterate, and we don't deal well with things that are uncomfortable. So we try to put a Band-Aid on it with a sticker. You can always try again. We haven't heard that, but we know people that have. You're young. You can have another one. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Yeah, Nick, Nick and I had two early miscarriages, and we would never, never talk to somebody else that had an early miscarriage and, and say, well, you know, you can you can always try again, and you can have another baby, or, or it, you know, it was early. God, that's yeah, one that, there was probably something wrong uh, with the baby. The, the, it was early, and, the, and there was probably something wrong. Those ones... Fucking wow! Do those ones hurt? Shut the fuck up. Yeah, those ones. Those ones dig real, real deep. Um, I mean, yeah. When you get farther along in pregnancy, every day that you're pregnant, you probably feel some more attachment. Sure. But but you but there's there's a difference between being not pregnant and knowing you're pregnant. And the minute that you know you're pregnant, you're fucking attached. Period. And that is your baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's your baby. Well, and just like with Leah, when a nurse and the medical director of the pediatric hospice program said, well, there, you know, there was probably something genetic going on with Leah that we'll never know that, that caused this, as if that was supposed to somehow make me feel better. And what their point was they wanted to get across to me was it wasn't my fault. Well, fuck you, first of all. Second of all, how dare you? To me, that sounds like you're blaming my daughter. That there was something wrong with her that caused this. No. My daughter is and will continue to be absolutely fucking perfect. Don't ever say some dumb shit like that to me. So yeah, we, um... I'm saying is we want to try to be conscious and present. We want to just be able to talk and, and throw these things out here. And it's, it's, um, I don't know what it is. We, um, you know, I talked before that I didn't have any delusions of grandeur. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to have 2 million people listen to this. God, I don't want 2 million people listening to it. I, I did this for us, and if anybody else got anything out of it, great. That's where we did it. I got an email the other day from a podcast. There's a, uh, there's a program that tracks your podcast listening over several channels, and apparently we have there was 19,000 downloads of episode 10. I don't, I don't even know what to do with that number. Because, know because I know that that, that, that 19,000, probably half of them, half of them are people that are in the same goddamn boat as us. Like, I mean... And know that we are not happy that you're here. We're not happy that you found us. I wish to God you were looking for a podcast to listen to that you could relate to. I don't want this for you. As much as I don't want this for us, I don't want this for you. But for the people, for me, this is more like a, a live journal. It's just a stream of conscious. I never listen to these again. I don't even talk about them. Once they're out, they're out. But these are things that we've talked about not just to each other, and not just with our kids, but with our friends, our friends that we've met through shared loss and ex this experience. It's conversations that we've had with our families to some extent. But I kind of let this be 
where there aren't any rules. I don't have to be polite. I don't have to smile. I don't have to hug you back. Not that I always feel like I'm required to do those things, but in certain situations with certain people, that's exactly how you feel. There are no social constructs here. That if I say fuck everybody, fuck the world and everybody in it, and I fucking mean it, I can say that here. If you are going through this or something huge or whatever your experience is, and you are to a point where you're like us, that, yeah, fuck the world and everybody in it, you are in good company. There are many of us out here that feel the exact same way. I do not wish bad things on other people. I do not. I just wish that you would not exist in my bubble. That's it. <laughs> I don't wish that you lose a baby so you could feel this like I do. I don't wish that for anyone. I, I, I don't wish that for any baby. I don't wish that for any parent to ever experience this. But I do wish that we could be more out front, that our pain could be recognized and honored for what it is instead of being told to push it away or cover it up or slap a happy face on it. Fuck all of that. Don't, as much as I don't want you to pity me, I want you to judge me less. Yeah. Don't judge me. Yeah, you can take your judgment and shove it right up your ass, fucking sideways. You have no room to judge me, to judge my husband, to judge my family, to judge my friends that are living through something that you cannot even begin to understand. But I will say, in full disclosure, we have felt judged in certain situations by other parents who have experienced this. So that is where we're trying to, I don't know, develop a new culture, I guess, is I don't want your advice, so I'm not going to give you mine. I don't want your opinion, so I'm not going to give you mine. I'm not going to judge you because I don't want to be judged. It's back to the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have done to you, right? Well, that's where we are. Don't judge anybody because you, even though you might have a loss, you might have a similar experience, you haven't had my experience. You did not give birth to our daughter. So just like... It can be a shared experience. It can also be a very disparate experience. Don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do or think or feel. Don't judge me on the things that I do or say or think because you are not me. You don't get to stand where I stand and say, well, this is how you should have done it or this is what you could do to do it better. No, fuck off. If I want your opinion or your advice, I will ask for it in so many words. And until then, keep it to your damn self. Yeah, so we've um, made it out of the Phoenix and we're in the South End. And like, I still got a shitload of anxiety going because I'm getting closer to the dirty tea where I don't want to be. But I feel much less anxious already getting out of traffic. But it won't last. No. I don't, like I said, we don't ever have any agenda on these things, and, and um, you know, we didn't talk about one, two, three, and four much in the last several ones, because it's, it's definitely been more about us and our travels and our our fears and why we traveled, why we traveled, but I just want you, you guys to know, I know some of you listen, some of you don't, but one, two, three, and four, I say it, I've said it a lot of times on these, and I say it, I hope enough in person, we love you guys. Um, you are literally the four reasons why we are still breathing. Yep. Because I can't see any other point to life. That is not pressure in that you have to make my life worth living. That's not at all what this is. I am just saying... We get to die first. Yeah. I'm just saying that you guys are 
the point. You have been since I'm 17 years old. Yeah, I'm not on this planet to be a... I was on this planet to be a son, but now I'm on this planet to be a father. I'm not on it to be a... I'm not on it to be a husband or a, or a business owner or a boss or an employee or a, or a, a basketball fan or what the fuck ever. It doesn't matter. I'm not on it for anything other than to be a father. And the only reason I'm still on it is to be a father. And... And I know you guys are getting older, much older, much too soon. Um, but yeah, we, we miss you guys and we're, we're not looking forward to coming home, but we're looking forward to seeing you. Um, I know that no matter what decisions are coming up, big ones, little ones, medium ones, whatever, that you guys are always included in the conversation. You guys are always the number one consideration when we're making those decisions. That since we're 17 and 18 years old, we have not made decisions for ourselves. We, everything we've done, well, maybe with the exception of staying out on this trip for two months. Yeah, we selfishly did that one. That was completely selfish and ostrich lake that maybe if we kept our head in the sand all the bad stuff would go away clearly it hasn't but since we're 17 and 18 years old everything that we do has been about and for you guys and that's not gonna stop as long as i remain breathing you guys will be the focus leah included in that So with that, we love you guys, and uh, we got 106 miles to go, and hopefully we'll see most of you tonight. <laughs>